by all signs and by all indications, we are living in the last days. Now, let me, let me say that again. I want you to hear this morning. By all signs and by all indications, we, us, us, we are living in the last days. Now, I, I really don't think we believe that. Uh, I think we say, well, you know what, a lot of generations have said that. Our parents, our grandparents said that. I really don't think we believe that. We say amen. We say yes. We say, especially today, surely we are. Uh, but I don't think we really actually believe we are living in the last days. Uh, let, me, let me read this morning from Paul's description of the last days. Now, this is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. Uh, you listen this morning. But this is God's word, God's description. Listen very carefully. But realize this. In the last days, difficult times will come. Now, I want you to listen to each line of this. Difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, you can't calm them down, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Friends, that is us, isn't it? Isn't that our day? Isn't that us today? Doesn't that sound just like us? Paul says, in the last days. So let me, let me ask you a question today. So what do we do? If these are the last days, and, and listen, I'm trying to make it clear, these are the last days, but if these are the last days before Jesus comes, what are we to do? Do we just keep on? Is it, is it business as usual? Do we just keep doing what it is that we've been doing? You know what, we've come this far, and these are the things that are important to us. Do we just keep doing those things? What do we do? Well, throughout our study in the book of Acts, I've been saying that in our study of the first days of the church, and that's what this study is, God is preparing us, and he is teaching us, and he is guiding us in the last days of the church. Now, listen, I truly believe that. As, as we're studying the events of the first days of the church, I believe God is guiding us in the last days of the church. And I believe that is clear again today. Today, we're in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 24. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 24. Our sermon, our message is entitled this morning, Last Days Living. What do we do if these are the last days? Last days living. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 24. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. God's word says, and so then those who were scattered because of the persecution 
that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful. We are so thankful. We're thankful for the, the precious blood by which we're saved, the sacrifice made in great love by which we are redeemed. Lord, we praise the Lamb. We praise our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for our church. And we're thankful for the, for the giftedness that you've placed in our church. We're thankful for those that play and those that sing and those that lead and those that put our eyes, lead us to put our eyes upon Christ. We rejoice thanking you for them. Lord, we come today as, as we've gathered, we're thankful for this opportunity that a government hasn't taken it from us, that apathy hasn't pushed it out of us, that a sickness hasn't scared us away from it, but that on this day we have gathered not forsaking your command, not forsaking the assembling together as the practice of some. And Lord, what a, what a glorious thing it is to come as the church. And Lord, I pray now as we've gathered that you would bless us, that you would lead us, that you would direct us, that you would speak to us. Lord, I believe this is a supernatural event and I pray that you would speak supernaturally now. I pray as your church existing in the last days that you would tell us what are we to do in these last days. Prepare us, dear Lord, and I pray the fruit of this would be many folks would hear the good news. Those that are lost and hurting would hear the good news. And I pray above all things that you would be glorified, that Jesus, the King of kings, that he, our Savior, that you would be glorified. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I do this less than I've ever done it, but I, I still watch the news, and I, I try not to. I see, I hear the news, and, I, and I'll just tell you, it is always discouraging. I'll go through a period saying, well, I don't care about that. I'm not going to listen to that, uh, but we do operate in the modern world. We do operate with current events, and I'll begin to watch the news, and it is always, always these days discouraging to watch the news. There is corruption unimaginable corruption, immorality, vast immorality all around us. Uh, we are motivated by greed. Uh, there is hatred all around us, division and hatred. There is a total, this is very frustrating, there is a total lack of sense. You say, well, can you say that? Do you know God said in the last days they would become as stupid animals and they would feed their lust and they will have no sense. Listen, we are living in a day when people have no sense. 
and words mean nothing. You can say the words and you can lay it out and it means nothing. The truth means nothing. Here is the truth. You can proclaim the truth and the truth doesn't change anything. Right and wrong do not mean anything. You can't get folks to understand. There is a total lack of sense today. And what the world needs is Jesus. Wow. What the world needs is Jesus. And I'll just tell you, as soon as I say that, you say, well, hey, that's what a Baptist preacher is supposed to say, and that sounds silly, and that sounds cliche, and with all the troubles we've got going on in the world, doesn't that sound too simplistic, even dumb? I want to tell you, listen to me, what the world needs today is Jesus. What the world needs is Jesus. I want to tell you, and here's where it starts to get a little bit binding on us. The only hope that the world has of finding Jesus is through a church that knows the need and proclaims Jesus. Do you know that? They're, they're not going to find Jesus in our government they're not going to find Jesus somewhere else. They're not going to find Jesus in our textbooks of academia. The only hope the world has of finding their need of Jesus is a church that knows that's the need and proclaims Jesus. That is the only way they will ever find Jesus. Friends, what the, church, what the world needs today is the church. I'm just, I'm just going to walk this out for you. The world needs Jesus, and, and what the world needs is the church, and it's not some extra thing. It's not some luxury item. Now, the world doesn't know it needs the church, but the world needs the church because the church are the only people that would ever tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus. The world needs a church. Well, let me ask you this. Well, in the last days, the world needs Jesus, their only hope of ever finding Jesus is through a church that knows the need and proclaims Jesus. Well, then let me ask you this question. Well, what does the church need in these days? What does the church need in these days? If the church is going to reach a lost world, a hurting world with the truth of Jesus Christ, what does the church need in these days? Well, hey, praise the Lord. I believe today we're going to see in our verses what the church needs. Now, how awesome that we're here and God's going to speak to us. And in these, the last days, with the world hurting and needing Jesus, with needing a church to proclaim Jesus, God and his word is going to tell us what the church needs today. All right, so let's go to our verses. Chapter, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Here we go. What the church needs today. So then those who were scattered dispersed, diaspora, were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. All right, in verse 19, we begin this section of verses and really the account continues. That's what Acts is. It is a historical account of the formation of the church. Well, the, the account continues. 
The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. The church is commissioned to testify to Jesus Christ, to spread the good news, Acts chapter 1. The gospel is then proclaimed there in Jerusalem, and we see those events. After that, the gospel spreads outside of Jerusalem to Samaria, to the neighboring regions. And then in the last marvelous events of chapter 10 and chapter 11 that we spent the last four or five weeks looking at, we see the gospel is for all people. It's not just for the Jews, but it is for all people. It is not just for one nation, but it is for all nations. And that is the promise that was made to Abraham. Well, in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, restating it, God makes that clear. And so now we're going to have the next piece, the next leg of the journey, the next piece of the account. Now the account continues. It says, so then, in response to those that were scattered due to the persecution of Stephen, backing up to Acts chapter 8, the story of the persecution of Stephen, remember he is stoned. Remember, when he is stoned, it is really like a dam breaks and persecution rolls out against believers. Uh, maybe it's this deal and there's been this antagonization, this, this hatred in the air. And, and now with the stoning of Stephen, the dam breaks and there is a vast persecution that breaks out against Christians. Well, because of that, believers are pushed out of Jerusalem. They are run, literally run, pushed out of Jerusalem. Well, now as the account continues, it says that some made it as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, an island about 60 miles off the coast, and Antioch. Now, understand today, those are Gentile lands. Those are pagan lands. The Bible says that those that are scattered have made their way to these Gentile lands, to these pagan lands, and there they are speaking the word. They are speaking the word. It says, however, they are speaking it to Jews alone. Now, they didn't know of the events of chapter 10. They had, they had left before those events. They themselves are Jewish converts. And so as they go to these new areas, they tell the good news, they speak the good news to the Jews that they run into. Now that, that makes sense. They are Jewish converts. Uh, they left before the events of chapter 10. And so as they travel, when they run into other Jewish folks, they tell them, we have found the Messiah. We have found God's anointed Savior. He is Jesus of Nazareth, and they speak the word. They speak the word. Well, that leads us this morning to the first thing the church needs in the last days. The first thing the church needs, what does the church need? The first thing the church needs in the last days is a clear understanding of the mission. What do we need in these the last days that we are living in? The church needs a clear understanding of the mission. Now, from their example, we ought to see our mission is not to just endure hard days. Sometimes we think, well, we just have to get through these hard days. We just have to endure these hard days. 
Their, their mission is not to find a place to practice their faith in peace. That, that wasn't their goal. Let's go somewhere and let's have a private religion and let's do it inside the walls of our house and let's do it without being disturbed. Their goal was not to practice their faith in peace. Their goal was not to alone escape persecution, but their mission, and therefore our mission, is to speak the word in whatever situation. Do you see that? The things that got them in trouble in Jerusalem are the things that they're doing in Phoenicia. The things that got him stoned in Jerusalem are the exact things that they're doing in Antioch. And so their goal wasn't to be comfortable. Their goal was to speak the word, to speak the word. Our mission as the church, listen to me, is to speak the word of God, the truth of Jesus, the gospel, whatever the situation. What if they start persecuting Christians to a greater extent? Hey, that's coming. What if they start saying, you know what, your church is going to lose its tax status? What if, hey, we're going we're gonna to tell you when you can meet, and no, you can't meet during these hours. What if they do like they do in California and say, when you meet, you can't sing, oh, the blood. I want to tell you today, our mission is to speak the word, whatever the situation. We, we might need to write that down so we don't forget that. We, we, we may need to remember that if things get tough. Our mission, we need to be sure of it, is to speak the word, whatever the situation. Let me just tell you something, friends. In these, the last days, the church, I believe, has lost sight of its mission. And I, and I watch, hey, that's Satan's goal, and I watch the things of the world have crept into the church, and the good ideas of the world have become the great ideas of the church and you look around, and the church today has taken up every cause but the one cause that Jesus gave us. Do you know what he said, go ye therefore into all nations? That's what he said. And the church today, we go to churches, and they say, we've got this program, and we've got this thing going on, and we do these things in our community, and we provide these services, these needs. And the church today has taken up every cause but the one cause that Jesus gave us. And I'll just tell you, here's the, here's the honest fact. If you have a church and you say, you know what, this church is going to focus on the proclamation of the word of God, this church we're going to focus on, we're going to be built around the proclamation of the gospel, people say, you know what, I'll go find a different church with a different program that I deem a better cause. Hey, we're going to tell people about Jesus. Well, I'm going to find me a different church. Hey, we're going to tell people about Jesus. Listen, that's uncomfortable at work. Can't we have fun rides for our kids? And they go find a different church. The mission of the church, and we better be sure of it, is to speak the word whatever the situation. The church needs a clear understanding of its mission. Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. All right, verse 20. But there were some of them, man, I like this verse, verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. This is a great verse. I want us to see this verse. It says this, but there were some, some men of Cyprus, an island, again off the coast, Cyrene, it was a city in North Africa, there were some of these guys from Cyprus and Cyrene, 
And they began, here's what the verse says, preaching to the Greeks also. They began preaching to the Gentiles also. They began preaching to these non-Jewish folks. And let me just tell you, to these pagan folks, they began preaching to them also. Now, there, I want you to see some big stuff here. Antioch was a great city. Now, think about uh, how, how long ago that was. It was a great city. It, is, it was over 500,000 people. And some estimates say as large as 800,000 people at the time of this, of this writing. 800,000 people. Can you imagine? This is, a, this is a marvelous, crazy city. It was known for business and trade. Several trade routes crossed over there. It was also a wicked city. It was known as a center of pagan worship. But it was best known, it was best known throughout the entire Roman Empire. And I went and found some, some Roman historians that had nothing to do with the Bible, and they're talking about this city. It was best known, this city of half a million, for its immorality. That, that's what the city was known for. Five miles outside of town, there was a temple. They actually built a temple for prostitution mixed with pagan worship. And so you could, you could travel outside of town and go to that temple. Now, the acts there were so vile, so vile, that people a thousand miles away talked about the immorality of Antioch. In fact, they would say, you know what, 800 miles away in Rome, the filth that comes out of Antioch is polluting Rome. That's what they actually said. This is a wicked, vile city, and it's known for its immorality. And these men from Cyprus and Cyrene began speaking, listen to me, to those people. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to stay with me. I don't want you to miss this. Be sure and notice this. These men from Cyprus and Cyrene, it is to those people that they began speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to notice. They did not have an intervention by God. Peter did. They did not receive the vision that Peter did in Acts chapter 10. God didn't come up and say, you know what, it's okay to go there. He didn't say, you know what, I'm no respecter of people. You know what, salvation is for all people. They didn't have that vision. They didn't have that intervention from God. Not only that, they believed the Jewish Christians would be opposed to them. They believe those Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem, they're not gonna be going for this. They're gonna be opposed to them. Not only that, they knew the lost culture would hate them. They knew where they were going. They knew what their message was. They knew the lost culture would hate them. But I want you to see this. But they also knew what they had in Jesus. And they knew what they had found in Jesus. And they couldn't help but to want for all of these folks to have what they have found in Jesus. And so whether it was popular or not, whether it was crazy or not, whether it was dangerous or not, they started telling all the people about Jesus. Hey, they're not Jews. They didn't care. Hey, they're wicked and vile. They didn't care. Hey, you've, they've gone too far away. They didn't care. Hey, you're going to be hated for this. They didn't care. They go to those people and they start to tell them about Jesus. Isn't that how it should be? Isn't that how it should be? 
Second thing the church needs in the last days is a love for and a burden for the lost. And let me just tell you what this is. That's what that is. You know what? The Jews are going to be mad at us. Those back in Jerusalem, those Jewish converts. You know what? The culture is going to hate us. You know what? They're not going to want to hear this. And yet they go anyway. And they tell them. You know why? They had a burden for the lost. They were grieved over the loss. They were worried about their lostness. And so they would go to this city of Antioch and here's a half a million people, maybe 800,000 people, and they're stumbling around and they're hurting without God and they're perishing and they will perish eternally and they couldn't help themselves. They had to tell them what they had found in Jesus. They were saved, yes. They could have stopped there. They didn't want to upset the Jewish Christians. We don't want trouble in the church. They could have stopped there. They're going to be opposed by this wicked culture. They could have stopped there. No, they knew they were lost. They knew they would perish. And so they told them of Jesus. Friends, I, I, I want us to be sure and understand. Our world needs Jesus. Now listen, that's not some bumper sticker saying. That's not some flippant thing because let me tell you what's going to happen. Outside of Jesus, they will toil in sin. They will walk in hurt and pain and chaos and trouble. And if they die outside of a relationship with Jesus, they will perish in punishment. The wrath of God poured out on them for all eternity. That's why they need Jesus. And we are the only people who have the message of hope. Do we have a love for the lost? Personally, do you have a burden for the lost? So when is the last time you told somebody about Jesus? You see, it's as simple as that. These men of Cyprus and Cyrene, they walked into a town where they're going to be hated. They walked in knowing they're going to make folks mad when they went. And they were so convinced that these folks would perish outside of Jesus that they told them about Jesus. We in the church have to have a burden for the lost. We have to have a love for the lost, a concern for the lost, because it is on us. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord is with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And, a, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, the Greek wording here, and I want to make this very clear, is this happens in one event. It is one happening. It's not two events. It's not two steps to the same event. It's not subsequent events. It is one event. Now, it literally translates... In believing, they turned to the Lord. Now, I want you to see how magnificent this is. The hand of the Lord was on them. Here they are in this pagan, vile city, and the folks there hearing the gospel in believing. Now, what this means is they repented of their sin. They turned of their, from their vile, wicked sin, and in faith, 
They turn to the Lord. Now listen to the wording here. They turn from their sin, all the vile things of their world, of their culture, the only things they ever knew. They turn from those things, and in faith, they turn to Jesus. You know what that means? They got saved. I'll just sum it up for you. They got saved. They, this wicked city, when they heard the gospel, God was moving there, and they got saved. 2020, we better listen. Child trafficking. No value given to life. Preborn or born either way. Corruption. Immorality. The exception and the, and the growth, the exception and the growth of pornography. The destruction of the home. Perversion every which way we turn. 2020, friends, we better listen. Let me ask you a question. How do you change a city? You see, that's our description. Timothy, that was talking about our description. How do you change a culture? How do you change a city that's that vile? How do you change a world that's become that, that wicked? There is one way, and it is to proclaim the Lord Jesus. That is how you proclaim the Lord Jesus. Well, what are we ever going to do? We're, we're, we're not going to make any headway. It looks too big. What are we ever going to do? Listen, you do what they did, and you proclaim the Lord Jesus. That is how you proclaim the Lord Jesus. He makes new. He restores. He redeems. He forgives. He sets right. He saves. And to change a city and to change a culture, what we do is the church, we preach the Lord Jesus. So why are we trying everything but that? I'm probably about to make some of you mad, but let me just go ahead and do it. Listen very carefully. You go vote. By all means, you go vote. But let me just tell you something. We need to worry a whole lot less about leading people to a party or to a candidate and we need to be all out consumed with leading them to their Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll just tell you, the church today has become so swamped down in politics and government and all these worldly ideas. Listen, you go vote. I'm not telling you not to vote, but I want to tell you this. We ought to quit worrying about leading people to a person or to a party, and we ought to spend as much effort leading them to the hope that we have in a risen Savior, Jesus, because he saves. And that's what the church needs to undertake. Jesus is the answer. Verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Now, this is an interesting verse. The news about them in this crazy city of Antioch reached the ears of the folks at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Now, they hear what's going on there in verse 22. Now, they have already heard from Peter, and they know that the gospel is for all people. That's already been proven to them. They've already heard the report in chapter 10 and then chapter 11 reported to them. And so they know the gospel is for all people. However, Cornelius was a God-fearer. Well, Cornelius, he was sympathetic to the Jews. He was a God-fearer. And so, you know what? God can go outside those lines and save him, but you know what? These folks are pagans. 
This is a vile city. This is a wicked city. And they hear that God is moving there. And so they send Barnabas. Now remember Barnabas. He's a leader in the church. He is a servant in the church. Guess what? He's from Cyprus. He would know Greek because of his upbringing. He was also a Jewish convert. He's a believer. His name, Barnabas, means son of encouragement. Now, we, we read at, earlier in the book of Acts that he's committed to the cause of Jesus Christ through the church. Remember, he sells a farm. He's the one that sells his land. He sells his farm, and he brings all of the money, and he places it at the apostles' feet. Now, listen, he doesn't tell us that that's what we're supposed to do. There's not a command saying, go out and sell all your farms and bring the money to the church. But because of his commitment to the church, whatever reason he's prompted, he sells his land and he puts his money at the apostles' feet. He is sold out to the cause of Christ through the church. He is committed to the church. Let's jump down, look at verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Verse 24 says, describing Barnabas further, he is a good man. Can you imagine the word of God describes you as a good man? He is full of the Holy Spirit, which means this. He is led by the Holy Spirit of God. He is in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Because of that, he is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. He is full of the Holy Spirit. It says that he is full of faith. He is sure of the gospel. He is sure of the truth of Jesus Christ. He is solid in that, and he walks it out in trust. I don't know what to do here, but here's what God has led me to do. I'm gonna trust him. He is full of of faith. Now, what a man that is, what a description that is. And so it's a no-brainer. We hear of this happening up there. We'll send Barnabas. Good idea, verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Verse 23. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Verse 23, he gets there. They hear what's happening, so they send Barnabas. He gets there, and he sees what is happening. He, he gets to the city of Antioch, and he sees that the gospel is being proclaimed. He sees that the gospel is being preached. Now, I think about a city of a half million to 800,000 folks. Look how fast a virus can go from China to this person, this person, this person, this person to Vernon, Texas. How crazy is that? Well, what about the good news of Jesus Christ? When he gets there, it has gone here and there, and there's a group over there, and they're saying it over there. The gospel is being preached, and because of that, People are being saved, and because of that, sins are forgiven, lives are restored, people are made new, and in this vile pagan land, there is a movement of God. He does two things. First thing he does, man, I like this. He rejoices. Whew, I just picture Barnabas 
And he's sold out to the cause of Jesus Christ. He knows what he has in Christ. He loves his Savior. You know what? He wants all people to have what he has. And he gets there and he sees the movement of God. It doesn't say that he sparked it. It doesn't say that he did anything to pour gas on it. He gets there and God is already moving and lives are being changed. And he, this good old man, he rejoices. He's not mad God's working there. He's not mad y'all didn't get approval beforehand for this. He's not concerned that the committee's gonna be upset. He's not concerned that these folks are too wicked and then they're gonna mess up our name. No, the word means he is literally filled with joy. It literally means this. Joy is running out of him. Joy out of his ears, out of everything. It's pouring out of him. This right-hearted man sees that God is moving and he exalts the Lord. He praises the Lord and he rejoices. Wow, he rejoices. Second thing he does, and this is great. He began to encourage them all. Now the verse says, with a resolute heart. He knew what they were doing. And he knows when you preach the gospel that folks hear the gospel and they receive the gospel and they're forgiven of their sins and they're saved. He, he knew what they were doing and he was sure of it. He wasn't saying, well, maybe it's a mix of something pagan and something Christian. No, he knew it was by faith in Jesus Christ alone. He, was, he knew what they were doing. He was sure of the result, and he was sure it mattered. And so he encouraged them. He shows up, and it says, he encouraged them, remain true. It means faithful, latched, hooked, remain true, to the Lord, that's what he does. He goes into their midst and he encourages them, remain true to the Lord. The last thing, you know what the church needs, man, listen. You know what the church needs in the last days? Boy, I'm sure of this. You know what the church needs in the last days? It needs encouragers. Wow, it needs encouragers. It needs people that are sure of what matters and they're sure of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're settled in their hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they know what they have in the gospel and they want other folks to have the same thing and they're sure of the gospel and they walk around in our midst and they're overflowing with joy and they encourage folks by saying, remain true to the Lord. Yes, it's hard, remain true to the Lord. They remind them, it matters what you're doing. Oh, it's hard. Oh, folks are mad but it matters what you're doing. They go around and they tell them, lives are being changed. Eternities are being changed. They go on and they tell them, keep preaching the good news. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hold on a little longer, hold on a little longer. Jesus will come soon and until then, it matters, it matters, it matters and they encourage the brethren of the church. Let me tell you what we don't need any more of. We don't need any more naysayers in the church. We don't need any more negative Neds in the church. I'll tell you what, we don't need any more defeatist Daves in the church. We don't need any more Sister Wendy Weiner in the church. And those folks come up, and let me just tell you how this works. They come up to you, 
And you say, you know what, the gospel is still the truth and the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And we're going to endeavor to tell folks about the gospel. And those folks come up and they puke on you all the reasons why not. They puke on you. This is never going to work. And they got problems here. And we can't afford this. And we didn't do this in the past. And I don't like this. And my feelings are hurt. And my granddaddy didn't do it that way. And they puke on you all the reasons it will never work. Listen to me, church. We serve a risen Savior. He is reigning today. And we need encouragers in the church today. In these tough times, in these last days, oh, Lord, we need encouragers in the church today. Last line of verse 24 says this. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. I want you to hear that, and I want you to see what's going on in this chapter. Sinners, hopeless people, helpless people, hurting people, broken people are brought to the Lord. Isn't that the the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? This city's too far gone. We wouldn't go. We wouldn't dare go to this city. And they go there and broken, lost people, it says, are brought to the Lord. They are brought to Jesus. And when they see Jesus, there is a Savior that loves them. There's a Savior that forgives them. There's a Savior that will say your sin is not so great. You can't be forgiven. You're not cut off. You're not pushed out. You're not piled in a heap somewhere. But I love you and I died for you. And by faith in me, you can be saved. And they found Jesus. They were brought to the Lord. They found Jesus. Praise the Lord. This city, known for its immorality, did you know it becomes the hub of the Christian movement? Did you know in the Christian movement it replaces Jerusalem? Did you know this is the church that launches Paul out on his missionary journeys? This city becomes the center for the movement of Jesus Christ on earth. He renews, redeems, and restores. This city sees a great movement of Christ. And from them we see this. Today in the church, we have to be sure of the mission. Today in the church, we have to have a burden for the lost. And today in the church, in these last days, we need encouragers in the church. And a considerable number were brought to the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your truth. And Lord, I'm thankful that you preserved this account for me and for us. Lord, I'm thankful for the pattern you show us in this account. And I pray as we we prepare to walk into days that you tell us it's not going to get better until you come. It's going to get worse, that evil men are going to rise up and false prophets and false teachers The world's going to assemble for themselves preachers that will preach to their ears. But I, I pray in these days that we would know our mission as Calvary Baptist Church. 
that we would have a burden for the lost and it would supersede any other burden in our life. It would be the priority as a church that we would reach the lost with the message of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray all along the way that there's encouragers, that I would be one, that we would be one that would encourage people to remain true to the Lord. Lord, teach us. Lord, convict us. Lord, don't let us go home the same. And I, I, I think about it, we could, we could go home right now and we could say, yes, Jesus is coming again. I'm just going to go back to doing the same things. Let us not be the same. Let us be different teachers. Let us be different farmers. Let us be different mechanics. Let us be different neighbors. Let us be different retired folks. Let us be different spouses. All shaped by the truth that you're coming again. All driven by the mission that we're to speak the word. All motivated by a burden for the lost. Lord, help us exist for your glory and your name's sake. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room that in this hour does not know you, I pray that today they would see a God that's gracious and kind that goes to great extent to make his good news, his gospel known. And I pray that today they would find you. Lord, remove the hindrances, remove the barriers, stir in their hearts. And I pray that today would be a day of, of salvation that would ring out from this room. Move in our midst, move in our hearts, have your way. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.